0: Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit praisecenteronline.com. Let's do this. Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. And we will get to verse 14 momentarily. As we're talking about rooted, today is a a message in which I want to talk about um, uh, basically a preview of why we need Rooted, what it's, what's so important about Rooted and why it's important for us as a church. And so we're going to talk about that in our message today. And when you read the book of Ephesians, there are two, uh, I would say, great prayers that Paul prays in the book of Ephesians. One is in chapter 1 and one is in chapter 3. And they are, they're phenomenal. Uh, uh, probably some of the worst run-on sentences you'll ever see in your life, but, <laughs> for us English speakers. But, but, uh, but incredible prayers where he prayed through some, some important things. And uh, many people say, and it's, it really does seem to bear out in truth, that Ephesians is a book that really focuses on the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones. And so, uh, as that's true... He prays these incredible prayers for us, and and by the way, not a bad idea to sometimes take those prayers and and make them pray them in the first person, um, and you'll you'll see what I mean as we get into this. You could actually take this prayer and not to just be wrote about it, but I'll show you what I mean in just a moment. So, so the first prayer that happens in chapter one is emphasizes things that we need to know about God, about Christ, about what He's done for us, and the second prayer is. Uh, Uh, more about what God wants us to be. It's directing us in those ways. So the first is for enlightenment, the second for enablement to look at it that way. And, and, And he prays that we might live up to the wonderful blessings uh, that God has given us and put them to work in our daily lives. And, and we're going to focus on this this second prayer, if you will, this enablement prayer today. And as we do, the thing we have to realize is that God never, this is so important to this, God never expects us to do or be anything that he does not empower us and gift us to be able to do. So I'm not going to give you this. You know, we preachers are famous for this, the do more sermons. You know what I'm saying? I, I catch myself all the time. you got to do this, you've got to do that. And the thing is, is uh, when, I, when we talk about doing, Really, we always have to accompany that with the fact that that we are weak. We sang about it a moment ago, but I'm strong when I'm weak because I'm putting myself in the hands of the Lord who's going to help me. So this enablement I'm talking about today is enablement that comes from God as we talk about being rooted and resourced for what we need in life in Jesus' name. Let's look at the scripture together and then we'll get rolling. Starting in verse 14, Ephesians 3. And, and again, this is a prayer. And Paul prays. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. If you were going to start to use this as your own prayer and you just have your Bible open, you could go on at that moment and just begin to say, Father, I thank you that I have that kind of relationship with you, that I, I can come into your presence boldly, that you're a Father who's welcoming. And you understand what I'm saying? And then the next phrase, from whom every family, oh, I thank you that I belong to the family of God, that, I'm, that, that this is not just a, a little small clique that we're in, but we're, we're part of a family that is worldwide and the local family you know you could go on and on for this reason i kneel before the father for whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being do you see the enabling coming from god amen so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and i pray that you here comes being rooted and established in love may have power Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then this amazing uh, doxology, this ending that he tacks on to the end of this prayer. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is work where? In us. Here we go. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And Paul the Apostle prayed this prayer for the Ephesians, but I want you to catch the idea that he's ultimately he's praying it for us, even though he prayed it 2,000 years ago. He's praying it for us. He talks about the every, uh, every family of God. This is for all the Lord's holy people. And he mentions the church in there. He mentions that all of us would be rooted And establish. And I want to talk to you about this idea of being rooted and resourced. Let's pray. God, I pray that you will seal these uh, thoughts and uh, words into our heart today, God, from your scripture. I pray that I might communicate what you've put on my heart. God, this is something I've been thinking about and praying about for a long time, and I pray that the impact of it will be uh, uh, better than I even imagined, God. I do believe that you are a God that uh, resources us and you resource me to be able to communicate, but what's even better is you're able to do more than I could even ask or imagine. So in this moment. Resource us, Lord. Help us to become a rooted people in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. (laughs) So um, about a year and a half ago, I uh, bought a, a little spruce tree that I wanted to plant in my front yard. In fact, if you come to my house, you'll notice there's a wasteland there, uh, of area that I really need to work on. But my idea was to plant this little blue spruce in the middle of it, and that this would grow into a mighty tree that would be right there in front of the house and look really cool. And um, so I was, I was all excited. I, uh, spring of uh, 2017, I buy this tree, I plant it, I, I tilled the soil, I dug a deep hole for it, I, I made the soil loose around it, I put some fertilizer down, I watered it regularly, and I was really paying attention in the hot and blowing, uh, you know, when you get that hot wind that blows, I just didn't want it to get all dried out. So I tried to keep it really damp and moist around it. Every once in a while, I'd even uh, check the soil. I'd dig under the surface a little bit to make sure it was still staying moist. I, yeah, I went on and on, and I really tried to take good care of this tree, and I was pretty excited. And Rhonda, uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, she was excited about it too because she always wants a tree out in our front yard that I would put Christmas lights on. So the first winter, i you know, it's just a tiny little thing, it was only that big. And so I put the these little Christmas lights on it, and she was excited every time we'd drive home that the, we had those Christmas lights on there. But what happened was is um, when winter was over and early this last, or at the, at the end of last winter, I noticed the lower branches starting to lose some needles and turning brown, and I thought, well, I don't care. I can trim those off, and the rest of the tree was looking good, but as, as week went into week, as it went in, and we got a little bit further and almost to spring, uh, all the branches started turning brown, <laughs> and all the needles were falling off this tree, and it came came to realize the thing was dead so I was I was really disappointed not only the uh, loss of money right but which wasn't that much but it was a a waste now the second thing that bothered me is the potential that tree had had already having a year of growth I figured man it really get going this year it's going to be so great and secondly the tree you know and and now thirdly I still have this wasteland in front of my house with no tree in it right and uh, I can't I can't I can't figure out what I want to do there because I'm afraid I'm going to kill another tree so, so um, when I dug up the tree, I, it was time for that tree to go. It's going to go to, to uh, tree heaven, wherever that is. And, um, so, when I dug it up, I, I dug it up out of the ground, and I noticed, uh, based on my recollection of the pot size and all that, that the roots never really did expand out. They never really did go anywhere. And for some reason, they just didn't grow or get established. The tree never established itself there and I don't know if it was something I was doing wrong or not enough mulch in the soil. There's a, you know, there, you hear about all these things. It could have been a hundred different things, but for whatever reason, it died. And uh, so the tree never got established. Let me tell you another tree story real quick. Second week of December this last year, Ron and I went down to Roseburg to visit family for a few days, and uh, we were at my brother's house, and it was, it was kind of a drizzly, rainy, cold day, and his, his son came over because they were going to cut down an old cherry tree that was in my brother's yard. Now, the, when, when my brother first bought the house, the cherry tree was very fruitful, put out so many cherries, they could never even begin to eat them all or give them all away. It was just an unbelievably fruitful tree, and my brother took good care of it. He pruned it. He sprayed it. He took good care of it and it, it did give him a lot of fruit for years. But over time, uh, it was producing less and less. It was not doing well. And, and so he just decided it had to go. It was just making a mess of the yard. And so he, he, he his son is really good with a chainsaw. He came over with a great big chainsaw, a big fat cherry tree. So he comes over and uh, goes to cut this thing down. And, and I look from the window thinking, like the old me would have said, I should get out there and help him. And then I just thought, Nah, they got this. You know. <laughs> There's a young man out there. I don't, I don't really see a reason for me to get wet and damp and cold and all that. So I just watched from the window as they were chomping this thing up. And, and so, um, But as they began to cut it down and as they got down into the lower portion of the tree, they found what the problem was is that there, the tree had begun to rot in the center of it which you couldn't see it from the outside but just in the center it was rotted out and in fact the rot actually went all the way down into the root system so that tree wasn't long for this world anyway it was barely hanging on by a outside thread if you will of of trunk around it and that sort of thing and so so we get an idea that when the root is bad in this case the whole tree is bad but when the root is good the tree is fruitful does that make sense so, so let me talk about my first point today, which is this. This is the the first thing is rooted and established. So let me. I'm going to start with my idea of my spruce tree. Uh, the, unlike my spruce tree, God's desire is that we would be established, that we would send our roots out wider and deeper. And uh, in fact, in the scripture, it says how, how deep and wide and long is the love of God. But He also has an expectation that we would put out deep roots into Him. And uh, and so, so um, so for for. For this to happen, we have to be expanding, uh, not literally. Uh, I'm actually trying to lose some weight. I really am. I hate it, but, you know. Um, But uh, I'm not talking about that kind of expanding, okay. Uh, But the fact is, God wants us to be expanding in our knowledge of Him and growing in Him and getting deeper into Him. And some of the ways that this happens are through prayer, of course, and reading the Word, and studying the Word, fasting, serving, giving, worshiping uh, alone, and worshiping with others. There's all kinds of different ways. And it's all the stuff we preachers preach about all the time, not to harass you, but to plead with you to grow in the Lord and be fruitful. Because that's what we're desiring is fruit, right? That makes sense? And so, so, so looking again at the scripture that we just read, uh, verse eight, uh, 17, starting in verse 17, this is what Paul says. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. What great imagery that is, don't you agree? That, that, that we understand that if we're in Christ, we're like a tree, deeply rooted and established. Now, rooted, the, the word itself means uh, literally to render, firm, to fix, to establish, or to cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. That's the literal definition of that word. A tree that is firmly rooted can withstand much more than a tree whose roots are shallow, right? The deeper the root goes. I remember, uh, I don't know how big it is now, but uh, uh, I was walking on a a trail down in southern Oregon, and they had the the world's largest Douglas fir. Now, I've also seen, I've never seen sequoia trees. Anybody seen those? Oh, man, I want to see sequoias. But I've seen redwoods, and those are massive. They're just so huge. But this was the largest Douglas fir tree in the world, and at that time, this is I don't know, 30 years ago now, uh, at at the base, it was 13 and a half feet across. It was a huge Douglas fir tree. But what I noticed about it is that it was in a bit of a ravine where there's a, there wasn't actually like water, but you could tell that moisture collected there a lot. And so it had the opportunity to send its roots deep so that the tree could be big and fruitful. And so, um, so, so trees that are firmly rooted can do better than those whose roots are shallow. I once read a story about a woman um, whose, whose grandmother had a fruit tree in the middle of the yard that refused to bear any fruit. This was down in California, no matter how much she nurtured it, kind of like my spruce tree problem. And so, uh, uh, but she was a voracious reader and she read all that she could and she tried everything she could think to try on this tree to no avail. It just would not bear fruit and she was getting ready to dig it up. But then she got the idea to call the California Department of Agriculture and speak to someone there to see if they could give her some pointers on how to figure out what was going on with the tree. And she explained the challenges to the man on the other end of the phone and, after listening for a long time, he says, "I hey, hear. this is what you need to do. He says, every day I want you to go out and take a broomstick and hit the, bo- hit the base of that tree, hit the trunk of the tree with the broomstick. And uh, she thought, right. <laughs> she was concerned what her neighbors might think about a woman out there, an older woman beating the base of a tree with a broomstick. So she would always look both ways before she did it, but she decided to take it on anyway. And to her shock and amazement, uh, as she continued to do this through that whole season, the next spring, all of a sudden, this tree put out all kinds of fruit. And each year, it became more and more plentiful and healthy. It was great. And, and, and they would always, as a family, kind of laugh together to think about how silly this was for an older woman to be out there beating on this poor, defenseless tree. The tree had become better established and, put, and more fruitful because the daily harassment, listen to this, Cause the tree to put down deeper roots. I've decided the next tree I buy, I'm going to beat the living snot out of it. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Now, don't take this too far, but, but understand something. God is not beating us with a broomstick. God isn't beating us with a broomstick. But how many know that sometimes life does? Right? I mean, you kind of alluded to that a little bit today, Deb, about what, you know, the things that life will throw at us. And we think, oh man, I wish this would stop. And yes, of course we want that. But we need to know that along the way, these, these daily harassments, these things we're going through, the things that are tough in life, if we face them in the right way, our roots will go deeper. We'll get stronger in the Lord and we'll come out better in the long run. We'll come out strong. I mean, think, let me put it in a different perspective. We do this with our children, I believe, with my whole heart. Uh, in normal child development, sometime uh, when a child is nearly a year old, we will start and encourage them to begin to walk. We stand them up, you know, they stand up earlier than that, but pretty soon uh, you want them to just walk on their own. It's just something you want to see your kids do. And, and so in the process of teaching our children to walk, and this happened with all three of my boys, and I'm watching it happen with all of our grandchildren, but you, you let them go a little bit, and sometimes there's, there's you know a stumbling and then they fall and sometimes the fall does not end up good it's not a good fall I mean it's really great Uh, it's funny to me when kids fall straight backwards legs extended and they just you know that thing because I think if an adult ever did that it would kill us right (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) but kids can just do that it's the the diaper and the shortness of their legs and they just they think it's funny but but there's other kinds of falls that aren't funny and aren't good and they it makes them cry right been there and they cry, and they're sad. And, and you as a parent could sit there and think, well, I don't want my children to, to be hurt. I don't want them to cry. I don't want them to be sad. So you think to yourself, I, I'm never, ever going to let my child face that again. So you decide that you're not going to teach your child to walk. And so you do everything you can to keep that child from walking. You, and, and pretty soon, years pass, and pretty soon you've got a 30-year-old guy in a high chair being spoon-fed peas and, and uh, Cheerios, right? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so it, you, because we think, wow, we didn't want them to go through that. Now, I'm being absurd, but at the same time, the truth is that even though a loving parent doesn't, and God is our Father and He loves us, and even though a loving parent doesn't want their child to experience pain, we know that in the course of life there will be pain. And not only physical pain, but there will be emotional pain. Be a, and, and our job as parents is not to keep them from that, but to help them through that. And that's exactly what God does. While, the, while our life and the situations in our lives and other people who, who are mean or whatever are beating us with a broomstick, right? God is the one who comes along what, when that happens in our life and says, I, I, got, I got some love for you here. I'll, take, I'll hold on to you. And all the while, he's smiling because he knows that as we're facing it in the right way, our roots are going deeper and we're getting more established and better established in him as we keep turning to him in those tough times is this making sense today so so again what what is it that we're being rooted and established in well it's in Christ it's in him but it's also in this particular passage it says in love which God is love right so so they work together but but love and and we're being established in love and he goes on and he says to grasp how deep and wide and high and long is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge there's three times that word love shows up in that in that sentence there It is love that is the apex of God's, uh, of the fact of why God sent his only son. It's the very reason Jesus Christ came into the world to die for our sins. And so that all who sinned, all who had become enemies of God, could now experience relationship with the one who loved us first. But this love goes further than God's love for us because God then turns it around and says, as I've loved you, love one another. And he says, now begin to love those around you. We love each other in the church, and but we love those on the outside too. And we, so we love God and we love people. This is the two great commandments. The summing up of all the commandments is summed up, Jesus says in two, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Basically anybody that, you know, that has a need, anybody that's out there that you happen to come across on the trail as you're walking along, that's a neighbor. It could be anybody. So so on both counts, this can be a challenge for us to do, but there's a secret to finding the ability to love God and love others as He does, and that comes here in verse 20, and that's the second point that I have, the final point. Resourced without limit. Resourced without limit. Like my brother's tree... Um, Sometimes we can all look pretty good and put on a good smile and a good face and wear nice clothes or whatever and come to church, and we can look like we got our stuff together, but down deep inside, we may have some rot. Can I just be honest? Right. I I had the opportunity, as I said, to speak with the, the youth this last Wednesday night about the story of King Saul who who was an impressive guy on the outside? He was taller than any of the other Israelites. He he really had it all going on. He was he was somebody that when the people saw him and and they they thought this is the kind of guy we need for a king. This is this is it. This is the person because on the outside he looks good. Right. He looked good to the people, and uh, and at first absolutely. He seemed like the right choice he had he seemed to have this uh, air of humility to him he was surprised that he would even be approached by Samuel that that he would be the king he says "What what are you talking about I'm the smallest family in the smallest tribe of Israel why would I be chosen and then even on the day when they tried to do his coronation tried to make him king they were looking around where is he like we're trying to put a crown on his head he's not even here oh he's hiding among the baggage right so you see these different things in Saul's life where we realize that this guy was starting out on the right path, that he was um, being humble in his approach. But there was, so, again, this is what we see on the outside. We think, man, it looks good. looks good. But all of a sudden, we began to see a lack of fruit on his tree. And while we, we see him deciding to make do, do things other than what the Lord commanded him to do, and the Lord chastises him and said, to obey is better than sacrifice. Because he thought it was good that he would give a sacrifice. At one point he puts up a monument in his own honor. This isn't the work of a humble people. And the problem is whatever's on the root, right, whatever is on the inside, will eventually make its way to become the fruit. And so so what we have with with Saul is somebody who started out humble, but over time that, that root or that rot, if you will, began to manifest in his life, and he lost the kingdom. Again, this Ephesians 320 says now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to His power that's at work within us. And I don't know about you, but I, you know, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but this is one of the most amazing promises and prayers of Scripture that there, there is, that God would do immeasurably more. And, and, and since we're talking about roots, let me dig into the roots of this passage a little deeper, if you don't mind. In the original Greek language, uh, which, in which this New Testament was written. The word for power actually shows up twice um, in our, you know, if you read that whole text that we read earlier, you'll see it, I think, four times. But it actually only shows up twice in the original Greek. And... Uh, and one of those times, you don't even, you don't even actually, uh, it's not, it doesn't get translated power. In fact, two of those times are in this passage right here. So we have obviously the word power there. Can you guess which other word is actually the same, basically from the same Greek word in, in the uh, Bible? Which other word in that sentence there, do you think? What's it? What is it? More? Nope. Any other guesses? What? Nope. It's a little word. Four letters. Abel. It's the word able. You see that? So in other words, now to him who has this power, it's in the Greek word, it's from the root dunamis. Uh, we get the word dynamite. It doesn't mean dynamite, but it, it, it's the idea of that kind of very, very explosive kind of power. For him who has the power to do immeasurably more according to his power. So he's reiterating this fact that there is power that God has for us. And so, the other times that, that power is used, it's not a mistake, but, it, but the word doesn't actually come in the Greek. It's just uh, the good translation, uh, it's implied in the, in the way it's written. And so it's good translation to add the word power so that we know what the topic is about. But these, these are the only two times it shows up. And so, so we see that this idea is power there in the, in the Greek. And, ha, and so God has the power, again, to do immeasurably more, and he puts that power in us. He puts it in us. Now, that, that part translated immeasurably more. Let's get into that for just a moment, like I'm just digging down deep here. But this is a rare double compound word. In fact, I'm going to show it to you on the screen here. It's hooper ek parisu. Uh, perisu. that part of it, perisos, means exceeding some number or measure over and above more than necessary. And then that little tiny word, ek, is a word that intensifies the force of what's coming. All right? And then the word in front of that... Um, is the, uh, is the idea of huper, which is, uh, means ev- even more or over and above what's coming. It's kind of a prefix, if you will. In fact, that's where we get our English prefix or words hyper and super. Those come from huper. Okay, you with me? So so if, if we say like a kid is hyperactive, we're saying he's a pain in the neck. No, no, we're just kidding. We're we're saying they're not just active, but they're more than active, right? They're really active. Okay. If we say hyper or supersonic, we mean that Seattle doesn't have a basketball team anymore. (laughs) Sorry, but uh, but actually, no. We're talking about something. Sonic means the speed of sound, so we're saying something that's faster than the speed of sound. And so, so we get this idea that we're multiplying the power of, uh, of that word through this word uh, pair. So, so this is speaking specifically then about the ability of God to do something and that ability having more than enough potential power, exhaustless power, super abundantly and even more than that. Like when you get all done adding on adjectives to this, you, you're just going to run out because it's more than you can even ask or imagine. And God is able to do Way, way more than I can ask or imagine. And I, when I read that, oftentimes I just kind of mutter to the Lord, Lord, are you serious? right <laughs> Do you realize how great an imagination I have, Lord? Right? Do you understand how, how uh, you know, the things I imagine in my mind? I have a very vivid, godly imagination when it comes to things like this. Now, the selfish or the carnal person might be tempted to think of things like riches and power and prestige and possessions, might begin to lean into those kinds of things more than I can ask or imagine, ooh, you know, right? Might get going that direction. But remember the context here. These limitless resources are available to those who, uh, who are filled with and strengthened by the Spirit and people who are rooted and established in love and in Christ Himself. Are you with me? There's a, there's a context, and we have to pay attention to that. So we're being led by the Spirit with this motivation of love that will direct our imagination and our asking. So, so for, let, me, let me put it in these terms. I don't know why we always choose Bill Gates. He's the richest guy we know that's close to us, right? So let's say you get a job working for Bill Gates, and he says, um, hey, uh, I want you to build me a house uh, Lawrence, you've been really good at getting this whole house thing together, so, so let's just pretend it's you that Bill Gates is talking to here. No, I won't. I'm just kidding. with you. But let's, let's just say he says to any one of us, hey, I, I want you to come up with a deal and build me a new house. And, uh, and in fact, be, because of that, uh, he says, you just ask for whatever you need, and I'll give it to you. Don't you worry about the cost. I have a basically limitless supply. And he hands you his credit card, with a, and it's an American Express, so there's no credit limit, right? And he says, he says uh, go and do what I told you to do. And so, a few days later, you come back with a brand new sports car, a whole new wardrobe, and the deed to a new home that's in your name. And even though Bill has the resources for those things, that was not his intention, was it? For, for, for you to have those things, but to have the resources you need to do what? To build what he asked you to build. Okay? Are you, are you tracking with me? So, so... Now, again, Bill Gates' resources, as vast as they are in our perspective, are a minuscule drop in a bucket compared to God's resources. Do we understand this? <laughs> God's resources are so much greater. And, so, and God's resources are truly infinite, if you will. And so, so we are led by God's Spirit with this motivation of love, and then our uh, imagination begins to center on what God wants. So he says, more than you can imagine, our imagination, because we're in him and we're rooted in him, we're going, uh, uh, the imagination part of that is, what does God want? Right? And, and so, and, and then our asking, he said, more than you can ask or imagine. W- well, where, where does our asking go? It goes towards the things that God has put in our heart and that God wants us to do. It has to do with what he's called us to do. So when he says to us that he's able or he has the power to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, he wants our asking and our imagination to be focused on what he wants. James, James makes this very clear in his, his uh, uh, book in chapter 4, verse 3. It it's, makes it very clear, doesn't it? When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Right? Just straight up. See? And so we're wondering, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Well, maybe we're not praying his prayers. Maybe we're not imagining what he's expecting us to imagine. Maybe he's not, we're not asking for the things that he really has in, instructed us to go and do and to be a part of. And it's in the moments that we recognize, this is, it's these moments that we recognize there's rot at the root of us because our motives are messed up. We're asking for the wrong things. And, and we need to be healed, really, we need to be, Uh, planted in the Lord, if you will. So we don't say, uh, God, I want. We say, God, what do you want? Right? God, what do you want? He's He's not promised to supply all our wants, but he's promised to supply all our needs, hasn't he? So listen, so as you're busy doing God's business and imagining and asking for his kingdom, I want to tell you something. Along the way, you are going to be blessed. Yeah, I'm not saying, you know, you're going to be blessed financially, you're going to be blessed, because how do you think he's going to look with favor on those that are doing what he's called them to do, right? And and we're obedient, we're walking along, and yes, we're going to receive blessings, but that isn't what we're asking for, we're just receiving that. What we're asking and imagining with God for are things that pertain to his kingdom. That's how this works. So what does God want? What is God after? Well, first of all, we know this, he wants people everywhere to come to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. He wants little children to be brought to Him. He wants people to be fed and to be clothed. He wants people who are in prison to be visited. He wants sick people to be healed. He wants people who are in bondage to be set free and delivered. These are the things that God wants, and you know many more. And the more we align ourselves with what God wants, the more we'll see His power in our lives. Immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. Amen. Worship team, come on back up. You ever heard this saying before, when's the best time to plant a tree? And the answer is 15 years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Obviously. Now, if I'd have planted my spruce 15 years ago, I'd have a great big tree like I want in my yard if it survived. But then the follow up to that question is when's the second best time to plant a tree? Right now. Actually, next Sunday night at Rooted. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Because that's what Rooted is really about, us learning how to get our roots deeper into the Lord, to be the planted of the Lord, to, to thrive in Him. You, you know, if we're struggling in our lives, and, you know, I was talking to someone earlier, and they said they maybe have to miss three times or something, and maybe they weren't going to do it, and I totally get that, and we, we prefer that that not be the case, um, but, but, but even so, if you think, oh, I have to miss, one of the things we'll talk about in the first class is not missing more than twice, but I'm going to make an exception, okay? <laughs> you know, if you, could, if you could just do your best to be there for these things uh, on Sunday nights, um, just, it would be so good to have everybody become a part of that. And as we go into this new year, we're faced with an opportunity to go deeper into Christ and be rooted in Him. It would be easy for any of us to look at the past and think of all the time and effort we've wasted for things that were no profit. In our lives, amen. I, man, I think about that. So the best time to be planted in the Lord is today, isn't it? It really is. And a fantastic way to get our roots deeper in Him is to do this together as a church. Yeah, come on. Ask yourself these questions. As I go through a few questions here, just just kind of ask yourself these questions. Have I stopped growing, or have I become stagnant in some way in my relationship with God? Am I staying shallow? in my knowledge of Him, or am I getting deeper? Am I staying shallow in my relationship with Him, in the depth of my relationship, or am I getting deeper? Is, is there some motives on the inside of me, some rot at the core of who I am? Is there something wa- wrong with where my roots are in some cases? Would others say that the fruit of my life is good? And could I even be more fruitful in my life? An honest evaluation is needed today. And Paul's prayer for you and my prayer as well for us all, that we would be enabled by God to be rooted and established, knowing God will resource us for the work. Are you ready to be resourced? Thank the Lord. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit praisecenteronline.com.